it's very important to remember in the foundations of mindfulness as we speak about them that they are not particularly hierarchical or linear. They are all interacting, interwoven, moment to moment. Um, The third foundation of mindfulness is the contemplation of mental states. I'm sure that we all appreciate the, the need and the value of being able to be mindful of our minds. You know, as the Buddha put it, you know, the mind truly is the forerunner of all things. You know, our mind is the forerunner of our, our, our actions, our speech, our choices, the way that we interface with the world. The mind governs, it seems, the degrees of happiness or unhappiness that we will experience in our lives. And it is truly challenging to be mindful of the mind that we, we do often seem to have a more retrospective awareness, you know, that we come out of some great storm of thinking or some great emotional storm and, and kind of wonder, well, how did I end up there? You know, or how did that happen? And for me, one of the great blessings of the Buddhist teaching is, is, is being able to take the sense of bewilderment and helplessness out of our lives. That the mind is something that can be understood, that can be held in the light of mindfulness. And I'm sure that we would all probably acknowledge in our lives the degree of awareness that we have of what is taking place moment to moment, is the degree that we have the freedom to respond to what is taking place, rather than being pushed and and pulled through our lives. So there are many, you know, this word mind really, it covers really quite a large landscape, and there's many, many different ways of contemplating the mind as such. Certainly part of it is contemplating what we understand by the word mind. So if we look at some of the different ways, I mean, certainly one of the ways of contemplating the mind is almost as if we were contemplating uh, the sky in which you know, such a variety of events arise within that space of, you know, of rain, of clouds, of sun, of rainbows, that all arising and passing within that space. Another way of contemplating the mind is in terms of process, to really see the process of our world being built moment to moment through thought, through feeling, through association, through memory, to be able to contemplate the mind in terms of the process of change, how you know the thought that seems so insistent and pressing in one moment, you know, by lunch can be a distant memory. You know, that there is, you know, that all things within the mind are as governed by the law of impermanence as everything else is in life. Sometimes this is helpful in terms of being able to, to hold the mind and its contents a little bit more lightly. Sometimes we contemplate the mind in, in terms of, un, of non-identification, of non-self. 
you know, if you if you look at your mind today, if you look at your mind yesterday, I mean, you know, <laughs> how many of the thoughts, the ideas, the images did you actually invite? You know, did you decide it was a good day to have a lot of anxious thinking or... You know, it was a fantastic day to be depressed or, you know, an amazing day for obsession, you know. (laughs) But don't that, you know, it all just, you know, it's so born of conditions, you know. And, you know, to be able to hold that sense, you know, like the mind is not your fault. (laughs) You know, it's not your fault. That's not a kind of statement of irresponsibility. But we do take it so personally. Our thinking. Another way of contemplating the mind, of course, is in terms of components, you know, thought. What is the mind? This changing matrix, thoughts, mental states, emotions, ideas, memories, associations, all coming together in these changing shapes to, to form the mind of the moment. So what we do, of course, with mindfulness is is to a little bit unpack the concept of mind and to understand the mind as it is moment to moment. And one component, this primary component of the third foundation of mindfulness is the contemplation of mental states, states of mind. Now, this is not a phrase that we normally use in our day, is it? You know, oh, my mental state is like this, you know. So we're almost learning a new language. So, So what is a mental state? Well, it's kind of like the climate, the mood of the moment, changing. Now, if we were to put that into some sense of immediacy, it's recognizing that all of us in this moment have a state of mind. No one's exempt. No one doesn't have a state of mind in this moment. We all have one. It's a state of mind present. What is your state of mind in this moment? Does it feel spacious, calm, agitated, heavy, anxious, Serene, what is the state of your mind in this moment? It is so important to begin to be able to check that out regularly, frequently, because that state of mind is going to be productive. So some states of mind uh, we have spoken about in terms of the hindrance factors. For example, dullness, heaviness is a state of mind. Agitation is a state of mind. There are many, many lovely states of mind. You know, when the mind feels relaxed, when the mind feels spacious, feels uh, very receptive, open, calm, these are very, very lovely states of mind. You can feel that they, they kind of gladden the heart. And if you notice in very lovely states of mind, there's often not so much story with them. You know, if you have a calm mind, it's not so often that you, oh, I'm never calm, I used to be calm, I will, will be calm in the future, you know, I wonder if there's better calm, if this is good enough calm. If you notice when there's very lovely states of mind, There's often very little story about it. 
But there are also, of course, many, many difficult states of mind. Aversion, anxiety, restlessness, dullness. There are so many difficult, difficult states of mind. Now, it is, in terms of being aware of mental states, the Buddha did ask us not to divide them into good and bad, right and wrong, but to really examine in the states of mind what it is that leads to well-being and happiness and freedom and which of the states of mind we experience lead to suffering, distress, estrangement. Now that kind of discernment is actually very important because that kind of discernment is the ground for knowing what it is valuable to cultivate and to nourish and what it is valuable to investigate, to question, to to meet with the wholesome and the skillful. Now, mind states, states of mind, are very fertile. They are very productive. We shouldn't imagine that a mental state just sits back there and then we act or live independently of it. We don't. Mental states are very fertile and very productive. And you'll notice that mental states tend to generate forms of thinking, forms of speaking, forms of reaction that are very much aligned and flavored by the state of mind. For example, if you you know if the mind is feeling quite aversive, you know, irritable, frustrated, it's highly unlikely that you will have a lot of thoughts of appreciation and kindness and compassion. Mostly, you will notice that the thoughts that are generated by that mental state are carrying the flavor of the mental state. You will notice then that those thoughts in themselves tend to determine courses of action. You know, I'm feeling, you know, it's a mental state, very aversive. You know, I I need to do something with it. It, it, It's uncomfortable, you know. I mean, there's surely an aversive note I need to write to somebody. You know, I will do that, you know. So, So, but you will also notice that the mental states make perception very selective. You know, you'll notice like if the, if the state of mind is feeling quite relaxed and easeful and, and, and spacious, you, you will notice how your field of perception is really touched by that. You, you will notice perhaps, yes, what is difficult, but you will also notice what is lovely. You know, you, you, will, you will notice what is lovely. But you will notice if there's a difficult mental state, how perception is shaded and flavored by that. That, you know, your, your attention will tend to see only that which is imperfect, only that which is wrong, only that which is, is kind of flawed and faulty inwardly and outwardly. So the perception becomes selective. So what's very important to see is, is that there's a certain process that is set in, in motion by states of mind that are not seen clearly. If we take just again one of our, you know, one of the hot favorites, top of the bill aversion, um, you know, you will see, you know, okay, you know, that there's irritability, you know, there's aversion, discontent, you know, so the thoughts start to flow from that. 
you know, what is wrong in the present, what has been wrong in the past, probably what will be wrong in the future. You will start to see perception getting shaded. You know everything. You know it's too cold here. You know the weather in England, the, the food. You know, so the thoughts. But then the thoughts, of course, will feed back and strengthen and reinforce the irritability. They don't ease it, do they? They they flow back in a circle to strengthen and reinforce the aversion. So then the aversion will produce even more toxic thinking. There's another piece that gets added into this mix, which is, of course, that that looping system, and many of you have spoken about this looping system, the experience that you find in retreats, that that looping system of thoughts and mental states feeding one another will then often, very frequently, especially with difficult mental states, pick up self-view. You know, I'm so, I'm such an aversive type. You know, I've always been angry. You know, I've always will be enraged. You know, this is who I am. And that in turn reinforces the mental state. So, one of the, you know, certainly one of, part of the work of mindfulness is first to be aware when we start to go in these all too familiar loops. It's not necessarily that we need more insight. Sometimes we've had all the insight we've ever had and ever need to have, and sometimes what we're left is this habit of looping, the habit of walking in circles. And it's sometimes a question of how do we interrupt the momentum of that habit, which is part of the work of mindfulness. It begins, certainly, with a frequent checking in during the day. What is the state of my mind? There's a lot of clues to a mental state, you know. If you find that you start to have thought patterns that have a similar flavor, you know, that you're kind of, you know, chuntering through the day, you know. You know, ah, there must be a mental state here. You know, there must be a mental state here. If you start to have thought patterns, you know, endlessly rehearsing the future, rehearsing the next moment, you know there's a state of mind there. So there are clues often in our thought patterns. There are clues in, to the mental state in terms of what we're doing with our sense doors. You know, because you will notice that mental states, particularly difficult ones, tend to activate the eyes and the ears. You know, I'm hungry or I'm, you know, really focusing in on this, that and the other. Ah, maybe there's a mental state going on here. The clue might be in your effort level. You know, if there's a mental state of despondency or, or depression, suddenly you feel yourself collapse, you know. Oh, there's no point in doing this, you know, I'm not getting anywhere, I'll never get anywhere. So there's a lot of clues to states of mind. But learning to pause regularly, one of the clues is these statements of I am. You know, I'm like this. I've always been like this. This is who I am. It's a clue. There's a state of mind present. So part of the work of mindfulness is actually beginning to notice these changing states of mind. Some of them are quite short-lived and some of them are very, very historical. They've been with us for a long time. They're like old friends, you know. I know anxiety. You know, I know aversion. They're very historical. They have a much longer story. But mindfulness and habit do not easily coexist. 
So part of mindfulness is learning to tune in to the state of mind. <clears throat> Sometimes part of mindfulness is then the investigation. What does this need? What does this need? If there's a lot of aversion, perhaps there is a need for a gentling, a bringing in of kindness. You know, If there's a lot of agitation, perhaps there is a need for really a cultivation of more calmness, more stillness. Part of it is part of that investigation is is questioning those statements that come up with "I am." You know, perhaps turn it into "Am I? Am I? Am I always? You know, a failure? Am I always aversive?" Part of it is really just beginning to know the the landscape and what we are feeding, because what we feed will grow. And certainly thought, repetition of thought, feeds mental states. Sometimes there's a value in really seeing where the mind is in overdrive, feeding being thoughts being generated by a mental state, but then feeding a mental state. We need to be a little bit more focused. We need to be more in the body, more in the body breathing to calm the thinking. But most important of all, I think, is to be so curious about mental states. So curious about them. So in touch with them, knowing that mental states, untouched by awareness, will govern our lives. They govern our lives. They govern the degree of freedom or imprisonment that we experience. So if we take just a moment to to settle in to your posture... Relaxing into your body. (coughs) Finding as much stillness and calmness in your body as you're able to find. Being calmly present with those places in your body that are not at ease. Just taking a moment or two, just to step back a little and just reflect or examine as much as you're able upon what is your mental state in this moment. Is there heaviness or brightness, calmness, agitation, ease, restlessness? Just knowing without blame, without judgment, 
in a sense of what that mental state feels like. Cultivating the mindfulness, the awareness that can know a mental state as a mental state.
If it is helpful for you, establishing your attention, establishing your mindfulness in your body and breathing, receptive to all the moments your attention is drawn elsewhere,
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.